You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. Mike check, Mike check. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today, we're talking with a guy who I absolutely love checking in with. And I'll be honest with you, I don't check in with him enough. Um, he is a dad, just like myself. And the kids are roughly the same age, give or take. Uh, he's in a whole bunch of activities, which makes hunting time a little less every single year. But the guy, the guy's a grinder. And I kind of wish I was like this guy. Uh, Lucas Psycho, he's been on the podcast several times. He early, had success early season. And why I want to be like him is the dude just, I think he just kind of gets it. And I don't know if I there's times where I don't necessarily get it. And so this guy just knows when to get into the woods. He knows where to be at certain times. And some of these things can be taught in life. But then there's other times where I just don't think you can teach some of these skills or learn some of these skills. It, it's just like, I don't know, some kind of inner inner force, let's just call it like Star Wars, that you, you either have or you don't. And this dude definitely has it, and I love having Lucas come on the show. And that is what we're going to talk about today. He found some early season success. We're going to break down that hunt. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the father – uh, side of things that keeps him out of the woods, but he, you know, like when he goes in to attack, it's uh, like really high odds in his favor, and he he puts those odds in his favor because of scouting, historical information, and uh, trail camera data, and just like tons of information. So uh, that's what uh, we're going to be talking about today. I on the just got back from hunting a brand new farm for the first time, and I'll be honest with you, I got lucky. It uh, turned out to be a really good farm. There's a lot of good deer on it. There's a lot of deer period on it. But here's the problem. The problem is I think there's too many deer, and it is a how do I put this? It is an island property, meaning I do not have access to uh, on any of the other properties around it meaning i can't get access to this property except from one gate crossing that's it it's in one gate crossing in the southeast corner of this property and that is the only place that i can cross to get into this property and i walk into this farm 
and immediately there's deer already on their feet. And it's 2.30 in the, uh, it's 2.30, 3 o'clock, and deer are already on their feet just kind of browsing. That tells me the deer are comfortable on this piece. The trail cameras tell me that there's good deer on this property. And it's just a matter of time until I get, you know, get, get in there, locate something good, put a move on it. But I have to do that now with all of these other eyes on me. And so I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know exactly how the deer are moving through this property because I don't. It's a brand new farm. But what I can tell you is that uh, I'm, I went and hunted it. I know there's good deer there. I actually jumped a giant walking in on the very first hunt. I was heading, uh, trying to get into the timber. I didn't make it. I walked through like this very bottom of a CRP field and there he was just bedded down in some really tall grass. And I jumped him up at about 20 yards. I tried to pull the bump and dump where I sat over top of his bed. I was 25 yards away from his bed. Perfect shooting lane. Uh, the next morning he did not come back. So there's that. Um, so the, the goal is I'm going to let the bucks get a little dumber. Uh, I'm going to get the, the do, let the does get the scent in the air, let them kind of get into the, the breeding season or into the, the deer, like the bucks on their feet time, time frame. And then I'm going to go back probably late October, maybe depending on what time I get back from South Dakota or what my trail cameras are showing me, I, I might not even hunt until after Halloween and then I'll go and I'll, I'll hit that farm pretty hard. The best part about all this is, is that um, I'm just leaving it alone more than it's already been left alone. I've popped in there. I checked my cameras. I got the information that I needed. I kind of know a little bit about where certain bucks are running, and that's going to uh, allow me to get in there and uh, um, like maybe triangulate some of their positions. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And other than that, I think we're good to go for this episode, man. I really appreciate everybody taking time out of their day to listen. If you get the opportunity, please go and leave the Nine Finger Chronicles, the Sportsman's Empire on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. It really helps me get the word out about this podcast. And if you really like it, please go leave a review uh, on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Five stars would be awesome. And then uh, if you're looking for a saddle, check out Tethered. Tethered has a a lineup of saddles, um, climbing sticks. I had full intentions of getting in a saddle this weekend, but I had two uh, tree stands up and I've been practicing out of my saddle and I feel very confident in it, but I wanted to get some permanent stands up in what looked like historical, uh, like like really good terrain features that I, you know, in certain wind direction would be locked tight. And so I got those in. Uh, and so I'll probably the next time I'm in a tree, it'll be a, with a saddle. So saddle hunting in, uh, uh, at this new farm, I think is really going to, uh, allow me to be flexible and get in light and, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, tethered saddles, climbing sticks, saddle climbing accessories and then on their on their youtube channel just a ton of information so uh, go check out tethered uh, saddles wasp archery you know again metallica playing in the background absolutely love those heads i got them dialed in i'm ready for south dakota i'm feeling confident in my shot and uh, i can't wait to put a jackhammer through uh, a mule deer man that's that is my absolute goal 
the best design paired with the best materials is going to get you a very durable, high-functioning broadhead that does absolute damage when it hits its target. And that's why I love Wasp because they are, uh, I'm confident in their equipment. And discount code here for them is NFC20 for 20% off. Next, Hunt Stand. And Hunt Stand actually has just updated their platform and they added what I think is called their whitetail um their whitetail upgrade and that is uh, let me see, let me pull it up real quick it's their pro whitetail and uh it has a little bit of forecasting in uh in with that and so there is that we have the the pro whitetail package we have hunt stands uh uh, new maps and and um, uh, like a rut map. They have the whitetail habitat map that's been uploaded. They have a crop history layer, which is actually really good if you're going into a scenario where the maybe the satellite imagery is hard to read if it's just grass or crops or something like that. So that would help. And uh, so go check out HuntStand.com. Read up on all the functionality that these guys offer. Uh, so hunt stand and then vortex optics, vortex optics. If you're looking for a badass optic, whether it's a rangefinder, binoculars, uh, spotting scope, red dot rifle scope, these guys have absolute amazing products. But on top of that, again, the people are absolutely amazing. The customer service at this company is absolutely amazing. You top that with their VIP warranty. And the VIP warranty is you break it, destroy it, you send it in, they fix it for free, they send it back to you. And that's the VIP warranty. And that tells me right there, they want lifelong customers. And so uh, that's how companies succeed with life, with life with lifelong customers. So go check out vortexoptics.com. And now let's get into today's podcast with a true whitetail slayer, Lucas Psycho. Three, two, one. All right. Uh, all the way from North Dakota, my whitetail brother, Lucas Psycho, man. What's up? Oh, just enjoying a, 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 a real good Vikings win this afternoon. Yeah, you uh, you're uh, you're a Vikings fan, huh? Sadly, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I watch. Uh, I I don't watch much pro ball, but I am an avid Iowa Hawkeyes fan, and uh, we are horrible this year. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I yeah, it's uh. Watching watching the sports sometimes uh, it can be pretty 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 uh, devastating here yeah. and there. Yeah, at least at least I know that when I fail or when whitetail when hunting lets me down, it's my own fault. You know what I mean? And not like right. a shitty play calling by the offensive coordinator. <laughs> I know it's pretty silly. Uh, yeah, it's pretty silly. You get so excited or like worked up over this stuff, but yeah, I don't know. That's a fact. I don't know. I, I tell myself all the time, relax. Like, nobody even knows you. Yeah. Like, that, nobody even knows you. That. Nobody cares. Nobody even cares. Right, right. <laughs> um, let me let me ask you this. Before we started recording, um, you mentioned, hey, we, we kind of caught up a little bit, and you mentioned that, uh, similar to me, 
full-blown activity mode with the kids what like how how many how many kids remind everybody how many kids you have and like the all the activities oh i've got three kids uh i got i got two girls and a boy the oldest daughter's 13 uh middle middle child uh she's 10 and and then uh my son's just turned eight and uh we got volleyball with both of the girls right now going on uh our, our our youngest daughter just finished volleyball. Yeah, uh, and her still do still going. And then we just I just wrapped up coaching my son's play football team yesterday, and that was a heartbreaking loss. Yeah, uh, we he scored he scored the go ahead two point conversion to go up twenty to nineteen, and then they literally scored on a last second play from to run the length of the field. To oh <laughs> dang, dang. It, uh, but I'll tell but you this, it's, it's, dude, nothing, nothing. I, I don't, I don't like, I love watching my kids play sports and, and activities. I don't know what it is, but like, I'll give up October hunting for, uh, to go watch my boys play football or, or soccer. Oh yeah. It's, it, it's the, the it's funny how the priorities change. Yeah, you look exactly. At, uh, yeah, as as I was, as I was growing up, getting older, and seeing seeing guys that were used to be diehard hunters, or at least you know that's what you'd see, they were just always out. All of a sudden, it starts to fade out a little bit, and then you're like, "Huh, I don't know. I'm never going to do that. I'm always going to go every waking second I have." Right. And then all of a sudden, your priorities just change. You just like, "No, I got. I'm going to go. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. I'm going to go do this instead. Yeah. Watch my kids do this at whatever." And yeah, I, I agree. It's just it's just. It's, it's it's more awesome definitely yeah. to be at stuff and see them yeah see them enjoying it so i got a nine-year-old daughter and you mentioned 13 i did i i feel like we need to catch up more because every time i talk your family just seems way older than it should be and so now you have an official teenager in the house it talk to me about that because everybody says you know like watch out when a girl like a girl you know what you know i don't know how, how to explain it like you got a girl she's a teenager and you know how boys are when they're teenagers right so it's like what's what's going through your head when now that you have this this teenage daughter at home well first of all you remember exactly how you were at a 13 year old boy right? yeah right and that's what comes to mind is like she's surrounded by those monsters every day <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> That's what we are. We're, de- we're at that age. We're just monsters. We're just, yeah. just we don't even know how to control ourselves. No, you know, no. And uh, so, but I, I we're lucky. I, you know, I don't want to jinx it or whatever. You know, knock on wood here. But she's uh, our daughter is is she's she's amazing. She's I don't I don't have anything that uh, I don't see any major issues right now at this point. And and right now she's just more focus on sports and she thinks boys are silly and now i know there's somebody out there going yeah that's what i thought too man that's what i thought too <laughs> right. and then my, my doctor be different right uh, but so i don't know she, she's got a pretty good head on her shoulders i trust her she's she's cool and and uh she's normally in a great at great great uh mindset and yeah. uh, and just her attitude's great so that's a win that's a win <laughs> Like, yeah. uh, that, yeah. that, that, like being a father of a daughter, I don't know. I think, I think it's God's way or, or the planet's way or whatever, whatever a guy believes, right. It, it's a way of telling you how to think differently 
because with my two boys, I can still be a, a rough and tough man and be like, ah, you know, you know sh- shut up and sit down and get up and, and, you know, like do that. And they don't care. But if I, if I talk that way to my daughter, then yeah. it's an emotional breakdown and I am Mr. Evil for the next 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's like that with, with my, with my middle child, Willow, but the oldest cadence, she's, she's kind of, she's like a, she's girl dad all the way. Right. Like I, we, we, I can be rough with her and, and, and harsh on her and whatever. And she just takes it and she's like, has no issues. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, on the same way but willow she's she's more on more just, you know on the girly side and, and stuff and someday she might hear this and be like just mad but yeah. it's true you know yeah. all a little different but yeah that's but. a fact well early season this year you got it done and what that makes it what two or three years in a row you pulled off the the early season kill well this so it was two years in a row now yeah. i've killed on on uh my wife and i's anniversary the morning of our, our, our wedding anniversary, actually. So it was year 10 last year, and then year 11 this year, and it was the morning hunt of each day. So it was a year to the day. It was a you know, double anniversary kill and, and both, <laughs> you know, being married for 10 and 11 years. So it's pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, kill I'll, a... I'll be okay with it if it continues, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Kill a buck in the morning and take her out for the anniversary dinner at night, huh? Yeah, that was a wild day actually because we we uh you know it was kind of what we did last year, but this year we had two volleyball tournaments going on, flag football going on, plus I I killed that deer that morning, and so the whole goal was to get out there, have a quick hunt, get out of the tree stand, make it up to my uh, daughter's first volleyball game at eight thirty in the morning, and then kind of just be crazy hectic the rest of the day with other volleyball games and play football coach and play we had it all kind of planned out it's just run here run there yeah but uh we fit it all in yeah <laughs> I, was, I, I, uh, I i was dadding it to the max that day for sure that's awesome you know that's awesome all right so there's a lot of things that impact the areas that you hunt you know just from talking to you over the years and i, I kind of want to get um get your thoughts about that but leading into the season talking about the summer time frame before the season uh even started what was your your season looking like what did you have laid out i mean did you have any return customers or or any big deer that you located and you're like hey i'm going after them yeah i mean really i i didn't i didn't have a hell of a lot of time to get get a lot of scouting in actually and uh i glassed up i glassed up this this buck and two other bucks um it would have been late it was right before we lost it last year and, and that's how i knew like they, these deer these deer had made it in this area and so i knew i wanted to be looking for these these three particular bucks and the one that i shot would have been the biggest of the three but i knew that this year they'd all three be for sure shooters and uh so i i got i, I got a glimpse of them all running off the field like a month before season at least i thought for sure they were you know those three bucks um and uh and then ended up getting a you know trail trail cam pictures of 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 them leading up to season and and then as soon as season started then i kind of really started to figure out their travel path their travel corridors through there and it was that they were all in kind of different spots that was kind of what was weird uh going moving through the timber is a huge block of timber 
and uh, I found a spot where this buck was. I, I got him slipping. Basically, he he was he was he was making a uh, a lazy trip across uh, like uh, a little bit of a, a high spot on a, a waterway that was dry to get back to some some willows and a really thick thick willow patch where he was he was bedding along the river and uh so i i put, put a camera on that crossing there and and uh historically it's always been been a really good spot to at least get some inventory because a lot of animals cross it for moose to you know coyotes and, and and turkeys and everything they just all use that and uh got it got a couple pictures of them and it was game on from there it was play it patient just kind of wait yeah goal so, was to get him with my son you know in yeah. the tree but yeah so you mentioned this dry waterway right so in the past um in, in the other conversations that that uh that you have you hunt along a, a main river that runs through uh, the missouri river runs through north dakota and uh, in the past it has impacted some of the the hunting decisions all the way up to using a boat to access um some of the the uh you know the the locations that you hunt did what was the water scenario did you have any high water that you had to fight getting in or out of there or was it just a real dry summer for you guys this episode is brought to you by pepsi wild cherry pepsi wild cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yeah, it it it, it dried up real fast. You know, in spring, spring we had a fairly decent, you know, uh, amount of water, but it's... Uh, the the, rip, the water level as soon as they started to drop here towards the end of the summer i mean they tapered fast and uh so by by hunting season it was river river levels were way down and so well the positive side to that um is a lot of these waterways that fill up with water with high water um they start to dry up some they don't really ever get dry a lot of them they just get kind of you know six to six to six inches to a foot of water or or so and uh then there leaves a lot of mud on the edges so you can see a lot of tracks along everything and yeah it's pretty easy to you know the tracks don't lie i mean right if i if there's one thing that i i'd I'd probably you know i i use more than anything it's just a track you know uh so i can identify a really big buck track pretty easily now and and so when i see that uh, and it's always, you know, don't believe the one track either. Like I, I used to get fooled by that one track that a, a young buck could, you know, he steps a certain way and it makes a big track. If you always want to look for like four or five, six in a row, you know, and just, yeah. just, just so that you could, it's just a regular normal walk. And it's, that'll tell you it's an actual big body deer and, and a mature buck. And, and so that's, that's what I like to utilize the, the waterways and stuff like that for is just finding their tracks, yeah. you know? Yeah. What do the deer do different um, in low water years like this year versus high water years? Not, not, not an entirely. Too, you know, certain areas I guess get impacted more because uh, the the backup waters, the backup waters that kind of it, it, it's almost um, they're not necessarily channels all the time. Sometimes there just ends up being a kind of like a big lake area yeah. off off of the 
the river. So when those areas fill up a lot, there's areas that, that pinch down and create real tight funnels along the river. So you can, you know you can get a lot of deer deer movement, just bottlenecks them, you know, coming from the fields and stuff like that. And uh, when it's drier, it makes things a lot harder because there's so much more ground that they can walk and cover on, you know, now. And, and so um, when it's wetter, it's actually a lot better. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, you, you know, it just bottles everything down and, and you know, way less space for them to roam. And uh, it and then also accessibility. You can use some of them channels off the river to canoe into, you know, that it saves, saves a trip of walking or whatever, packing a deer out and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm just thinking out loud here, high water pushes them up, right? Low water lets them get close to the actual river down in, in, in just further away from any type of food source. Uh, if, if, if we're talking about ag fields here, where, what, like what in this scenario, what were the deer doing as far as the pattern was concerned? They had, a. These ones were going out to a cornfield and an alfalfa field, uh, an egg field, and then they were they were they were they were cruising back through uh, some pretty open timber right right off the fields, and then uh, and then they would tuck back into some really thick stuff right before they get back to where they cross these water this water channel, and uh, and get back into that stuff that you can't hardly see five ten feet in front of your face. Um, you know that's where they were bedding. It's stuff that I mean it's impenetrable. You're, you're not going to get in there. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, to circle back to what it, what other things that can change with those high water, low water deals is I've noticed in the last five to six years when the water levels are way low, it seems like deer movement to the fields is a lot less. At least it's a lot less than daylight, daylight hours. Uh, I've seen a lot. I've been paying attention to a lot of these backup channel areas, backup water areas that actually end up getting a lot of good growth of uh, vegetation and the deer there's 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 plants out there i haven't identified them yet but uh they're they seem to really graze and and feed out in those those big open pocket those open areas that it's basically like a field you know that a lot of these spots looking like you know it's just a field of all kinds of different plants little tiny trees and there's just a lot of browse out there that them deer really love and so i focused you know, when the water level is really low, I have quite a few areas that I know I can go and climb a tree and glass a large swath of area, you know, along cattails and, and backup water areas that end up getting dry enough for that vegetation grows. And, you know, actually, you, you actually, you know, one thing I did notice, too, uh, was uh, like the hunting public guys, you'll see those guys hunting along lakes and stuff like that, too. That They're doing that a lot in a lot of them videos. You'll yeah. see them deer grazing lower waterway areas off those big lakes they're hunting yeah and so it was kind of like i was i was seeing that and then i just happened to kept catch a video of theirs and i was like oh yeah look at those deer doing it right there too yeah so it was kind of a cool thing that just kind of like clicked you know um so it's a good thing to keep in mind yeah and so as the water recedes and it's a drier year like it was this year it just creates additional like larger areas of for them to come in and graze in. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's almost like there, there's 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 a lot of areas you could you could hunt timber lines where the main timber is normally right, and then it and it breaks down into willows or grass or you know just grasses and vegetation outside of those timber areas along the river, and you could literally hunt them like like that's an, like 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 
like it's an alfalfa field yeah. actually you know and i started doing that and uh and hanging and hanging hanging some trail cameras you know off of that stuff just kind of pretending that, that that's just a food source field you know yeah. and uh i found that the deer are just basically doing that they're, they're not they're not going all the way out to those egg fields early in the year you know yeah they will they will but there's a lot of deer that don't i don't think yeah so if i if i was to ask you then let me see here um you you identified a food source are we talking in, in these river bottoms that you hunt and and back in these willow thickets are there like the occasional oak tree that drops that um like dries up movement on certain trail cameras for a while or or you know like a, a big oak flat somewhere out there that they do that or is that not a thing where you're at no no we don't we don't have any oaks right here okay on this part you get further to the eastern part northern part there's oaks out that way there might even be some on the you know the the, you know the the, uh more southern or eastern part but um yeah this far western side there's no oaks over here um so there's not a lot of anything like that that changes stuff just dramatically you know when acorn stones fall or something like that um Although I, I've always wished that that was a thing because it would be kind of neat to be able to, to, to figure that out, you know, yeah. and uh, have that as a play with anyways. But no, that, that lower water level deal though, that, that, uh, it creates a lot of vegetation and browse them deer, them deer love it. Yeah. And I've seen deer that, you know, loads of deer come out into that stuff and just feed all the way through dark, yeah. you know, and, and then, you know, go sit that stuff the next morning and there they all are. They're still all out there. It's like, well, they didn't even go to the fields, yeah. you know, and they stayed half, two, three miles back and didn't even go to the fields and waste the energy, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so when it comes to location now uh, of, you know, where these deer were, were kind of cruising, the egg fields that they were hitting, the alfalfa field, uh, and then the the path they were taking to get back into the the bedding and, and that little crossing that you mentioned. Are these spots that you've identified throughout the years? I mean, hunting the same locations, uh, scouting previous years, and you're just like, hey, I, I can be busy with uh, – you know, the family and, and the, the activities and things like that, because I know I, I've already identified all of these other locations from previous scouting missions. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's probably, you know, our best advantage, right? Hunting close to home, Yeah. you know, is in, in growing and hunting places you, you grew up hunting is a lot of the, a lot of the deer travel. It, it's, it stayed particularly the same, you know, in a lot of areas. And this one, this one especially, is, is, it's basically a pretty simple, basic bed to food, you know, travel. And it's just how do you get, how do you intercept them deer, you know, going from point A to point B. And, and that's been, this has always, always been a, a spot tough, tough to hunt. This was actually, this was actually uh, a little private section that I have access to hunt. And, and uh, it's been one of the hardest pieces to hunt that I have including all of the public everything because it's such a large piece that and and i'm the only one that bow hunts it that those deer out there they 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 have nothing funneling them anywhere there's nothing there's no outside outside pressures of any kind there's nothing so they kind of they kind of are pretty unpredictable and and uh i've struggled hunting it for for years i've been hunting it since high school 
and I've only killed two deer out of there. And so it's super tough. I actually do better where there's pressure from public because those, those deer get pushed back into corners and little, little spots that are tight and, and a little thicker and, and it's less ground to cover. I know that they're coming through those areas and all I got to do is be there at that right time, you know, and, and figuring out that time is, is, is a little bit easier than figuring out the randomness of a, of a place that is so large that it's, it's hard to just, you know, even get a, a, a feel of where they're, they're, they're crossing and they're, yeah. they're coming through, you know, that, that is such a great point because I hunted, uh, let's see, I'm re- recording this on a Sunday and Thursday and Friday this past week, I, I got a new farm that had very, I, I mean, I'm talking probably zero hunting pressure in two years and so i'm the first hunting pressure mm-hmm. uh and deer were all over the place i mean they were betting in spots that i didn't think deer were going to bet in they were and <laughs> yeah. it was because they had yeah. no pressure and so i'm walking into this property that has limited access to it and the deer were up on their feet at 2 30 uh, in the afternoon they were you know coming from random locations which you know if i was gonna if i was gonna look at a map right or and say okay check out these terrain features they're gonna come from here and they're gonna walk this way to this ag field or this food source or whatever and they were just kind of they were they were cresting hills they were you know walking back to the wind they were doing all of that stuff and so when when something like that happens you're like this is what unpressured deer do but it makes it so difficult because they're spread across the entire uh, landscape as opposed to funneled down into only using these specific terrain features. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like, it's, it's as if you put a lens over how you look at the land, whether you yeah. look at it as, is this a pressured area? Mm-hmm. And if you throw that lens over it, the deer movement and, and bedding areas and all that stuff, if you highlighted it in red on the map, that, that would look completely different from that, from something that's unpressured. Right. You know, and the tough place, the tough thing about this place is, is hunting the, the fields that these deer come into it. You can't do it because there's public roads right out, right next to the fields and any vehicle even comes even by whatsoever. Them deer are just bailing into the brush. Yeah. And a lot of times they're not even fields till, Till right at last light anyways and so so like it's not like you can just be like well i'll just go hunt the field you know that's how you hunt a, a, a pre, you know a, a private piece or whatever yeah well that'd be great but i wouldn't i wouldn't even see any deer until it's time to get out of the tree right. or if i do see deer they're gonna be chased off one way or the other by first vehicle goes by yeah. so yeah it's very fascinating man and that's that's one thing that you know everybody that knows that i have this piece that i can hunt my buddies and stuff are like what do you mean? You know, like, how can you not kill a deer? You got that place to, you know, to hunt on like, yeah, have at her dude. Try yeah. it. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not, it's not easy. It's, 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 it's frustrating because you yeah. can always see quite a few deer. It's just, they come through in such sporadic and, and random areas and, and then just, they'll just bed right off the field sometimes and then come back, you know, to the bedding areas and yeah. it's just strange. You know? Yeah. So what's your idea like as it's time to start getting in the woods and you know that the deer are, it's a low pressure farm. And you, like you mentioned, it's the deer are spread out and they move random through this place. How do you access hunting locations knowing that? Oh, this dude, I, I actually have gotten less and less sneaky on this place 
as as I get older here. Like just because I I would go through all the trouble of, you know, using this boat or whatever or walking this channel in knee deep water or putting on waders and crossing this water or you know, walking long big circles and stuff like that and I could and I cuz I thought that was what was probably causing a lot of the issues of trying to get on these things and I've just come to find out man it's just that's just the way they are in there that they're just there's nothing ever really pushing them to go wherever, you know, they may have a point A and point B, but they take, you know, every letter of the alphabet trails to get to that, to those spots, you know, yeah. it's like, it's weird. It's more like point A to point Z, you yeah. know, they could take any, any of those pathways. And so like this one this year, I literally drove, I really drove my vehicle all the way back through uh, the, the backfield, which I would normally, normally never drive through the backfield. And, and I knew there was nothing eating out of that field anyways, because they'd already worked it up. And so I just drove it all the way to the very far end. And I, I would have never done that in the past. And I said, the hell with it. I got to get in and out of here quick. So I wanted to be able to get down to my, from my tree and basically beeline to my truck in 10 minutes and then be on the road heading to volleyball. And so this was one of those instances I was like, hell with it. I'm going to try it. I drove yeah. it back there, parked it off the back end of that field. And then I walked up the, the drainage and, uh, uh, you know, 500 yards from my pickup and, uh, hopped up in the tree right along that thick stuff. And, you know, then that buck just happened to do what, <laughs> what I was hoping he was going to yeah. do, you know, yeah. the weekend before I had my son with me and we, we, I, the goal was, like I said, I wanted to kill that deer with my son in the tree. He's, uh, he's been really getting antsy to get out there and, uh, he, he, they came through, but we had a, we had a bull moose and a cow, uh, cow moose. They were, they were both hanging around our tree all morning long making all kinds of racket and the deer came through but they crossed they actually crossed the water about 60 yards up up from us and uh, i got a glimpse of all three bucks across and he was one of them and then they skirted they skirted just inside the willows about 40 yards from us across the waterway and then headed back to bed and so um I thought, well, eventually this this moose isn't going to be here every time, right? And and I knew they wanted to use that 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 little bit of a land bridge there, and so I just thought, well, if it's if it's going to be right one of these times, you know, it, I'll just sit it. I almost just go to sit just because it's fun to sit there. You get to see moose and turkeys and deer and coyotes and and all that stuff. And so um, I never really even get too worried about shooting one down there. It's more or less just to get out and and you know be out there a little bit. And, uh, but I, I, I had this deer coming through and, and, and he just, it was a foggy, foggy morning though. It was, I couldn't see, I bet I couldn't see 50 yards from my tree most of the morning. And, and, uh, and when he popped out, it was, it was just like, it was the only deer I seen and he popped out and he got lazy and he popped out and came right around the, out of the thick stuff, cut the corner of the, of, of the grass, the little grassy field that he, he was going to come across to hit that land bridge and. And he uh, stopped at 20 yards, gave me a shot, and I, I hit him perfect. He, he ran off and died about 130 yards out, and yeah. and, uh, and he just kind of faded off into the into the fog. It was it was it was a cool hunt, man. Yeah. It was it was it was just one of those perfect mornings. Yeah, that's uh, that brings up an interesting point, right? I always overthink my access routes, right? Like, okay, I gotta I gotta park here, I gotta walk here, I gotta. You know, I got to J hook in, I got to do all these crazy things. And, you know, you're thinking about the wind and, and the terrain and all that shit. And then, um, 
I notice that when I drive my truck on certain farms, I see more deer. And I don't know if it's because of my access route or it's just, and I did the same thing. It's not, not because I'm lazy, but it's because I wanted to get out of there earlier so I could make it back home in time for something or, you know, get out of there earlier or something like that. And so now you're just like, now you're thinking like, does it, does it really matter? I mean, I understand access to your tree stand always matters, but. I don't, maybe I don't need to walk a half mile in. Maybe I only need to walk like 200 yards. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, it could be what part of that can you cut out of there, exactly. right? Exactly. It's that driving through and parking part, you know. Yeah. Um, is there, is you know, like this place, this place gets a lot of traffic from, from the landowners and uh, and stuff. And so, and there's oil field traffic right in there. So it's. It it makes perfect sense that them deer perfect they're, they're accepting of, mm-hmm. of of vehicle traffic, right? It just makes perfect sense. And uh, um, like you said, it was it was the it was the whole. I wanted to maximize my time in the tree by not having to walk thirty minutes or forty forty minutes, yeah. you know, whatever, out of the tree. I didn't want to spend that time walking out. I wanted to spend that time in the tree as long as I could to hopefully this deer would make it to me before I had to get down. Yeah. And he got there. 15 minutes before I had to get out of the tree. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so it was, it was just like, I literally shot him. He ran off. I saw him basically start to tip over as he rounded a corner and, and he was fading off into the fog. I literally packed my stuff up and I ran out of there. <laughs> I yeah. ran out of there. Went, you know, I figured, you know, I didn't for sure see him go down, but I was like, he's going to be down. Uh, you know, I'm gonna run up, watch that first volleyball game. I'll bring my son down and, and my dad, and we'll go and recover the deer. And uh, and, I, and that's what we did. It, it was he was right where I expected. It was like an hour and a half later. You know, it yeah. wasn't even that long either. So, yeah. but uh, and uh, that's yeah, awesome. Pretty, pretty like that's a. I, I look at something like that and I go, dude, that's a good day, right? You slay. Oh, you go watch oh, volleyball, cheer your daughter on. You bring your boy and your dad back. You recover a deer. You go back. You you do flag football, and it's just like everything that you wanted in your life happened in a single day. Oh man, it was max. It was max to the point. It was like, like I said, it was, you know, started out, go shoot deer, yeah. run to the truck, go watch volleyball, grab Lawson and, and Dad. We go down and recover the deer. We literally scrambled to take a couple really fast pictures because we had to get back up for the next next game. Throw him in the truck, haul him up to the house. We strung him up in the cooler right away. Haven't even skinned him yet at that point, you know. Yep. Then we start down, watch another volleyball game. That game gets gets over. Or, oh no, we had to we had to zip the town. That's right. We had the we had the flag football game next. So yep. we and Lawson head to town. We go we go play flag football, play that, come back, hit up another volleyball game. Then I skin the deer and then watch the, watch my daughter win the championship of their tournament after that. And it was like, come on. <laughs> you couldn't <laughs> ask a for day. a better day. You couldn't ask for one. No. Highly efficient too, man. Yeah. Highly efficient. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, so this was this was a deer that you, I mean, you had identified um, the previous year, even right? Yeah, I'd watched this deer. Uh, he'd been around for, I from what I can remember, about three years. I could identify him probably. Okay, I knew I knew he didn't change a whole hell of a lot. He was a stud for the last three seasons you know yeah even prior. so this has been like the fourth season of him having 
and this was definitely this was, he finally put the mass on. He 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 always had the nice length and really general, you know, really nice mass. But he he put the mass on. He put a few more inches on length and everything, and he kind of just filled out finally. And because uh, he always looked like a gorgeous buck, but I just thought, oh my god, this deer. He's a younger deer. He he, he has potential, you know, to just blow up, you know, and and he just you know he he was a, he was a smart deer i hardly ever laid eyes on him in the daylight uh i think even through while he was like three four and five you know and yeah. uh he was just he was just a cool deer cool yeah. deer especially that and i tell you living live in all you know unpressured place and that's how he acted yeah. you know it just yeah uh, here's here's the cool thing about this picture is you know, like some, I don't know if you ever get a, like, you know, you, your buddies send you, cause you sent me a, a text message with this buck and I looked at the picture and I go like mature, like just, it's a no doubt mature buck. And I love the body on this buck. I mean, the, just the gut on him, right? Just this big fat gut, uh, on him. And, yep. uh, it just lets you know this, this guy has been around a while. Oh yeah. 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 And he just, uh, he was, he was, he was a deer that, uh, just for fun, you know, my son and I would put these, we'd, we'd make mock scrapes along the right, right along the fields out there basically. And in a little strip of trees and, and then you can get, we just get such cool, uh, uh, scrape videos on there. And he was just one of them that was just a nonstop in the middle of the night. You know, you're only putting them there just, just to keep track of what's around yeah. and just get cool videos. And, uh, he was just one of those that always put on a show doing, doing scrapes and watching him do stuff like that. And he's just fun to watch, you know? Yeah. And it's just one of those things. And, and it's like, you finally take a deer that's been around forever. And it's like, there's a piece of the place that's missing now. Yeah. And it was like, a, like a, right. It's like, it's like, ah, oh, I'm really miss seeing that dude around, you know, like yeah. just kind of one of those things. Yeah. Well now there's going to be some kind of power vacuum, right? So it sounds like you had, he was running with two other deer next year yep. or, you know, you're going to try to take, uh, you know, I know you, you're probably going to try to get some buddies or your dad or a family involved in, in getting out there and hunting. And so all that means is that another one's going to take his place and, uh, just the cycle continues again, right? For sure. Well, and that, and that, it was confirmed today because an, an old, old, old bruiser of a buck showed up there on that land bridge. My buddy and I just checked the cameras today, and and sure shit, here's an old, old tanker bruiser just shows up right there. And I didn't even know he'd never been there ever. I've never seen this deer before. Nice. And just like that, just like that, you said it—a power vacuum. Boom. Yep. It's like they, it's like they know, like, ooh, he's out of there. I'm moving in. Yep. Yep. Someone, someone's the winner and someone's the loser and, and the loser makes a move. And when the, the, when the dominant buck is gone, man, I, I, I shot a deer, man, I'm trying to think of what year it was. I shot a buck. I pulled him out of there. He was a, he was a five-year-old. And then for the next three days, there were deer all over bucks, all over all of my trail cameras just running around <laughs> deer that I'd never seen before. And I was like, gee, many Christmas, what's going on? And sure enough, that settled down after a little while, but there was like this jockeying for a position again. Yep. And, and yep. so, uh, man, that's a real thing. 
hundred percent. Yeah, the king fell, and everybody else was 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 fighting for his his uh, his seat. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? right. That's right. So, um, so now, what does the what does the rest of the season look like for you now that you're that you're tagged or that you shot this buck? So, shortly after that, it was the next week. Uh, it was that was the next week I took off to Montana. I, I, I got a I got a combo, a deer elk combo in Montana, mm-hmm. and I went elk hunting. First, uh, we got on some elk that first that first time I went over there. Went over there for like four or five days, uh, was unsuccessful, and then I, and then I zipped back out there the following weekend after that for a three dayer, and literally on my morning, on the morning of coming home, this would have been last Sunday. Uh, it would have been the Saturday before I come home. I, I, we were in a we were in a spot, me and my buddy, and I left my headlamp. I have a hundred like a hundred and seventy dollar headlamp, rechargeable headlamp. Yeah. And and I left it at this spot, and so I, it was. But it was on the way home. You know, it was a spot on the way home from where I was staying at my buddy's house. And so I was like, well, shit, I'll just get it up early. Uh, I was gonna just head straight home, but I realized I didn't have my headlamp, so I was like, I better get up, go up there and get that thing. And I got to that spot just as daybreak w- w- was happening, and and I, I almost just ran in there just quickly to get it. It was about three quarters of a mile off the road, and I was like, I better grab my bow. I grabbed my bow and I grabbed my stuff, and and uh, I, I pretty much trotted in there along this drainage, and got up in there, and I literally creep up over the edge when I'm trying to look for this thing, and I'm looking over a sage flat, and there's there's the bull the other two bulls and the five to four or five cows that we've been trying to get on and, and get had some close encounters with here they are they're literally coming across that stage flat and they were kind of angling and so i had to i had to bail off the backside go back down in the drainage and i knew where they were kind of headed it's kind of like a big cliff uh rock cliff kind of down into a drainage and so there was really only a couple spots where they could come down through there and get get to the other side and so i ran up to that next one and i got there like literally 10 seconds late probably and the big bull was coming down i still had a great shot but like had i been there 10 seconds earlier i would have shot him probably before he does what he what he does and i literally got there and i and he's at 30 yards coming down he went through that first gap on the hillside and i'm i'm barely just starting to put tension on the bowstring and to draw back and he like he le- he like leapt off of a little ledge that I didn't see that he was coming down and his momentum took him right through the bottom of the, of the drainage, right, right up to the other side. And, and literally right through my shooting lane like that, I didn't even expect it to happen. And so like, as he kind of trotted through, I ran around this, this clump of clump of brush. And, and as he heard me kind of trot around, he got out to about 40 yards and he stopped and he just stared at me forever through the brush. And we just had to stare down for about freaking five minutes. And he kind of turns and gets nervous and angles away. And I cow call at him, trying to settle him down, at least try to maybe pop out and give me a shot. And as I'm cow calling and watching him, I see out of the corner of my eye, here, here's another elk rack coming over the cliff edge, like looking down in at me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, there's a, there's a bull looking at me at like 50 yards, yeah. you know? I look over and I'm like, Oh God, this guy might just come close enough and turn and give me a shot up, up on top of this little cliff edge. And 
sure shit, he comes. He gets more curious and more curious. He comes closer and comes closer, and now he's giving – I can see his whole body, and he turns broadside, and I draw back, and I have to step backwards, get up on a little lump to get above this brush. And I had my I had my pin set at, like, I think at that time at 60, and and uh, I looked him over, and I kind of was thinking, like, where? how far is that? It was such a – it was in the moment, I was like, it looks so weird, and I'm like – uh, it's not quite 60. I'll just put it a little bit at his, I'll put it just a little lower, you know? Yeah. And I'll put it at his belly line. And, and so I let her fly and I thought it was, it was sailing true, man. And then he just dropped. I, I didn't, I don't know if I've ever seen an elk drop so quick. Yeah. Like he was on, definitely on, on point. Right. He was, he was, something was going on, but he kind of dropped. And then my arrow just, I, it was definitely shot high too. But my arrow just skimmed the top of his back, which I was thankful for. Yeah. You know, I didn't didn't badge you know, hit him bad, but that was the first elk I've ever shot at. You know, and I'll tell you what, that was a freaking rush, dude. Yeah. <laughs> one of these days, man. That's my goal. I gotta get. I got. I gotta get one on the ground too. Oh my god, I was sick though. I was sick, mad, happy. It was you know the whole thing. <laughs> it was yeah. like holy shit, did that just happen? And, uh, yeah, so that's how I ended the hunt. And so now I got that still in the back of my mind. Like, man, I want that one back. Yeah. Gosh, dang it. Yeah. But, I feel you. But you so got that going. Yeah. You know, uh, and then uh, I got a muzzleloader tag for North state of North Dakota for whitetail. So I, that's, a, that's a statewide tag. Okay. So that's a, I haven't gotten that one for, I think this will be year 12 of putting in. So it's been a while and, um, I, I, it's a fun one to do cause it's all iron sights, you know, and, and, uh, you can have a scope, it can be a one power, but I just like the iron sights thing. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. It's kind of fun to change it up a little bit. Yeah. So, so, um, and then no, no moose though, right? No. So my buddy, my buddy's got a cow moose that I've been helping him with the last couple of days, you know, just trying to help him, help him, help him get one. And, and, and we've had some crazy close calls but he's trying to get it with his bow and uh it's our it's actually rifle season right now so we've been kind of battling in and out of the rifle hunt, rifle hunters here and yeah and so we're gonna night and hopefully we can get her done awesome. get, him, get him a cow well let's get you out there man uh lucas it's always a pleasure talking with you i really appreciate you taking time out of a sunday to hop on and, and chat with me um congratulations on another dandy buck and uh for uh, for all the listeners out there, real quick, who who may not see the picture, describe him for us. You know what? Let us know what you think he scores potentially, and then what what you think he how old he is. He's a he's he's a he's a hell of a solid buck. I mean, dark chocolate rack, man. Yeah. Like that's probably one of the prettiest racks that, uh, out of a, a buck that I've shot. Uh, you know, to date, actually. Those, those those dark chocolate horns, those are always those are always fun to have, you know. And yeah. and he's he's probably right in the one sixty range, right yeah. in there, give or take. Yeah. But uh, old old mature deer, and and I mean, you just can't ask for anything better than that, you yeah, know. That's a fact. Up here in North Dakota, big yeah. big old fat white, and and uh, it's it's the best. That's it's a fact. Best. That's a fact. Lucas, man, uh, congratulations again, and good luck the rest of the season. I appreciate it, Dan. And you know, it's always good to good to be on here chatting chatting about bucks. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out 
to Lucas for taking time out of his day. Hopefully the rest of his season just glides like uh, I know it will. The dude's going to lay something else down. I just have a good feeling. He's going to help his buddies. That's what he does. And so good luck to him and his crew out there in North Dakota. And huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Hunt Stand, and Vortex. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Last but not least, thank you sons of bitches. You you crazy assholes <laughs> for taking time out of your day to listen. Please go leave a five-star review. And I wish all of you great luck this this uh, upcoming rut and the rest of October. Please hit me up. A lot of you already have done this, but hit me up on Instagram, send me some pictures or Facebook, send me some pictures of uh, your harvest, your your kills, your your trophies, whatever this year, all sizes, all age classes, all sexes welcome. If you like to slam does, man, dude, and fill the freezer, send me the picture of your dough. I love seeing that stuff. So uh, um, I hope all of you guys find success. Last but not least, uh, good vibes. It's all about the good vibes, man. If you put out good vibes in the world, you're going to get them back. And those vibes are going to come with you in the tree stand. And I just have a feeling that you'll find success if you're a positive person and uh, you use your brain. So good vibes in, good vibes out. And of course, wear your safety harness. We'll talk to you next time.